Hello, my fine friends. Thank you for choosing my podcast to listen to. We're powered by ACAS Plus. You can join uh, ACAS Plus if you want to get lots of bonuses. Google Rahalastapa and ACAS Plus and you'll get right there. There's lots of fun stuff to get. Um, Rahalastapa tour is nearly over. 21st of March, I'm at Bedford Corn Exchange. I'm talking to Olaf Falafel, who's a very funny children's author and stand-up comedian, and Al Murray, the pub landlord and historian man. And a friend of mine, uh, it should be fantastic, who went to Bedford, went to school in Bedford. It should be amazing. There's plenty of tickets left for that one. Uh, Glasgow on the 27th and Hull on the 28th. They're both sold out, but do keep checking the sites for returns. And uh, occasionally we put some comps back on sale, so there may be a chance to buy tickets. The main thing, though, is that I am going to be on tour doing stand-up, and I would love you to come. Uh, it's uh, from... It starts officially in May, but so uh, there's a few tryouts in April and March. So I'm at the Bill Murray. I'm at um, various places, Luton Hat Factory and uh, the Berry Hedge End. I don't even know where that is before going into a big tour where I'm going all over the place. It's selling in various degrees. Glasgow sold out. They've added an extra date. Uh, Chorley sold out, joined the waiting list. Uh, but a lot of the others have plenty of tickets. So... Do go and come to see that. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour for all those tour dates. richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for the remaining Rahalastapa dates. And uh, yeah, and then I'm going to take a little break from doing Rahalastapas. It'll be nice. We've got loads in the bank. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying them. I think there's some very high quality ones from this tour. Uh, so do keep listening. Do keep telling your friends. richardherring.com for all your Richard Herring needs. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another Rahalastapa. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to another Rich Chang's Less Square Theatre podcast. The guest this week is Simon Munry, comedy genius, uh, wrestler. We're going to have all sorts of fun in this one. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, it might be worth watching the video for some of it. Uh, it gets a bit physical in places. But um, I am on tour coming up very soon, starting uh, on the 2nd of February. I am going to be in Margate. On the 3rd of February, I'm in Fleet. On the 4th of February, I'm at the Nottingham Playhouse. 5th of February, I'm at the Chorley Little Theatre. 6th of February, Sutton Coldfield, though that one's sold out. Uh, you can see all of my gigs at richardherring.com slash gigs or richardherring.com slash the underscore best slash tour. Uh, coming up are uh, the Leicester Comedy Festival on the 8th of February. I'm at the Leicester Square Theatre the 16th to the 18th. Barry St. Edmunds on the 19th. Just go and check out um, the page and you can see if I'm coming near to you. Some of them sold out, some of them are close to selling out. Those London dates are selling pretty well. We've added some more in June in London because it's selling so well, so that's good news. Um, 
And we're also doing the final episode of As It Occurs To Me at the uh, Leicester Square Theatre on the 12th of February. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so there's still a few tickets left. It's selling pretty well. So head to the com website uh, and you can buy tickets to that or look at com slash gigs for that as well and you can see the link. Um, thanks for listening and uh, all exciting news going on. We're, we're recording um, a taste of tape for my radio, uh, my Channel 4, hopefully, sitcom, Everything Happens for No Reason, and uh, I'm writing a Radio 4 sitcom at the moment, which should be out in June. So there's a lot going on, and that's why my voice is slightly croaky, because all this work is killing me. But it is fun, and hopefully you're going to enjoy the byproducts. I'm looking forward to no longer having to do podcasts, and I can take my rightful place back on the television where I belong. Hope you enjoy this podcast. I'll never give up podcasting. Even if I'm in Hollywood. All right. Even if I'm dead, I'm going to carry on from the grave. Okay. Let's go. Let's watch and listen. Just listen because you're on the audio one to Richard Herring's Let's Square Theatre podcast with Simon Munry. Goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who is tired of London and tired of life, but neither of them will let him go. It's Richard Herring. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Rich Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Uh, I was hanging out at uh, the clothes shop where Ben, the producer, uh, gets all of his gear. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of young people in there, kind of surfer kids, and uh, they call it Rahilispas. I don't know if that's, that's going to catch on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's lovely to be, uh, lovely to be back here. Um, I, was, I know I talk about farts and poo a lot, but uh, I was, um, my daughter is, is uh, learning to use a, a potty at the moment. We've, she's quite young to be doing this. My wife's quite insistent she gets potty trained. And uh, she's quite good at it. You know, we're doing quite well. Um, but like sometimes she mistakes. She thinks she says she needs the potty. She goes and she just does a big fart on the potty instead of a poo. <laughs> And I kind of thought, it was sort of interesting, because that's, you know, we never quite lose that, do we? We never, even when you're starting out, you think, I, I don't know the difference between a fine and a poo, but we never, however long we live, we never quite, are quite sure that we've definitely got the right one. It's, I mean, it's not so bad when you think you're doing a poo and it's a fart, that's all right, isn't it? But many of us think, oh, I know, well, that's definitely a fart. Oh, no, it was, that was a that I should have gone to the party for that one. So she's never going to quite master it. And you think the longer you were alive, the more you would master that particular situation. But people who are 100 years old are probably worse than anyone at it. So it's... <laughs> never... We can do all... We put a man on the moon, but we can't be sure whether we're doing a poo or a fart. That is... I am speaking for myself. I am definitely speaking... Why would you shout out if that wasn't a big concern of yours? That is... <laughs> I haven't just done a shit in my seats. That, that strange smell around here is definitely not me. It's probably Richard Herring or a naughty dog, one of the two. So um, it's very. It's kind of, it's, we've got a weird, uh, kind, of, kind of some empty spaces here in the front row, weirdly today. There were some people here earlier. There's a man here, he's, he's kindly bought a badge. You can buy these badges online. And that's a, that's a, is that's the, a gold badge. That's pretty. Slightly worried I picked on a stalker, to be honest. That is his. So I never thought I would meet an actual gold badger. What what put you off buying the platinum badge? Was he thought, oh, I'll pay five pounds or ten pounds? No, I'm not. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> it's the badge. What's your name, sir? John. John, you seem slightly insane. Yes. Yeah, good. Uh, and um, have you uh, ever been in a canoe, John? Never. 
No. Okay. Have you ever tried sushi? Never. Wow. Have you ever flown a kite? No. No. Wow. You'd be a terrible guest on this show. <laughs> Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? No. What? No. <laughs> I thought I'd definitely get a yes there. Didn't I mean, if I'd asked Andy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no. I didn't ask you though, Andy. And now I've got that. Now I've got that horrible image in my head. So I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping my guest is ready. He was just. Uh, he's been having a cigarette and a wee. Uh, he, my next guest this week is the is the S and M another S and M. Ooh, uh, he is probably best known for his appearance. Is he back there, George? No. <laughs> yes, he is. He's probably best known for his appearance in the Dumb Show, the 1992 Edinburgh Show. That's why we're all here. Please welcome Simon Munnery. He's somewhere here. Ah, he's on this side. He subverted all my expectations. That's your mic there. Just that's. You can pick that up and uh, speak into it in a traditional. Uh, oh, <laughs> Simon Munnery, how are you doing? Not bad. Good, good, good. So, do you remember the? Uh, do you remember the dumb show? I remember the dumb show. Yeah. Yeah. You you were in it. I was in it, and uh, I remember there were two two groupings. <laughs> there were. Yeah. It was what, me what were and everyone else. Which group was I in? No, there were two groupings. There was two groups. There was well, you. No. There Go was, through the cast list. There was you. There was me. There was Stuart Lee. There was uh, Steve Coogan, and uh, and best top of the punch. Patrick top of the Marble. punch. Top of the punch. <laughs> Patrick, you, you're like Shakespeare. Right? I am top of the punch. He just invented top of the punch. Top of the punch. Patrick Marmo was I'm, in it. I'm not going to use that, but uh, is it? Is Patrick Marmo. So Patrick it was. The, it was uh, as I remember it, it was Marble and Coogan. Yeah. And Lee and Herring. Yeah. And me in the middle. Right. That's as I remember. There was two two like double act kind of like, yeah. things. And, uh, Are you the go-between? Uh, well, no. <laughs> just, just indifferent to all, all of you. Yeah, it was... You thought, you did basically an early version of the League Against Tedium. That's, that's yeah. exactly what I did, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we're didn't in go very well. Sketches. I mean, the whole show was a disaster. Well, it was interesting because we are in Pleasance 2, is it called, that one? I can't remember what it's called, but the so barn is, is one. Is anyone interested in this? Yeah, they are. <laughs> but nobody came to see it. When you think about who was in that cast, like, we would get 10 or 15 people. But I saw Bill Bailey and Sean Locke I think that year or the year before, do a show called Rock or something like that. Do you remember? Oh, when you see that show. Yeah. Two people in the two people in there. It's kind of going back and looking at that and thinking all you know all the people who would like to have seen those things. It was a weird uh, mistake, the dumb show, probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the arguments and the, uh, the main thing I remember is um, when Steve Hoon um, got uh, the cocaine problem. He had a cocaine problem. Um, there, was, there was one morning. Because the show's a disaster. <laughs> I mean, just... There was two gangs. There was Lee and Herring and Marvin Coogan. And there's me in the middle. Like, oh. I know. Anyway, but we always me up for breakfast at a, a cafe in whatever part of Edinburgh that was. Yeah. Like, for porridge. And sometimes some, we'd all come. Sometimes we, we knew the show wasn't working. <laughs> and we knew to do something about it, but no one knew what... Anyway, on this particular morning... I remember it was me, Marber sitting there, and Coogan there. And Coogan suddenly goes, <laughs> face down in the porridge. <laughs> face down, and I laughed my ass off. <laughs> as, as did Marber, we both did. We did, oh, Steve, you're such a funny guy. Uh, and he goes, no, I'm having a heart attack. Get me to hospital, get me to hospital. <laughs> and we went off. Um, so we went up to the 
counter said, can you bring an ambulance? And he went, no, quicker, quicker. And it was raining. And I'd driven my uh, four Cortina, um, uh, Cortina Crusader, the last ones they made. Yeah. Uh, I'd driven it 100 yards from where we lived, where we were staying, to the cafe. <laughs> so it was outside. Uh, anyway, and Coogan knew that. I think we were in the same flat. Anyway, he goes, So, uh, and Patrick Marble's written this up several times. Uh, in his autobiography, or, or, just he's written it up several times, and I mean, he completely cuts me out of the story, which was really <laughs> slightly annoying. What happened was, um, we, we we just panicked. Like he's having a heart attack. We got Coogan in the back, of the car, and he was going, like, you know, "Not time enough for an ambulance. Get me to hospital. Get me to hospital." And so he's in the back of the car. Marb is in the passenger seat. I'm driving. Four could Cortina Crusader. You know, all the trimmings. <laughs> you know, velour. I mean, it's, oh, it's a beautiful car. I just w- wish I'd never sold it, but, you know, had to get done for speeding uh, 120 on the uh, M40. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, happy days. Um, turn up. Oh. Anyway, he goes, oh, take us... So we're going down towards the hospital, and um, <laughs> we come towards a junction where it's a one-way street. Just go through it. Just go. So I did. I drove the wrong way down a one-way street to get Steve Coogan to the hospital, and then he doesn't remember it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Steve Coogan ends up in hospital. Right, blah blah. blah. Uh, we, we know it's something to do with cocaine. That's all we know. It's something to do with cocaine, but. Uh, we, get, we, we all go back, we, we, we all meet up, and uh, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen now? Um, is he going to come and do the show? Is he going to come and do the show? Later on, <laughs> I found out that um, Jay Toddy, I, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, um, uh, Matt, his man, uh, my manager, um, yours, um, anyway, uh, had gone into hospital. This is what I understand, anyway. He got into hospital and threatened, threatened Steve Coogan. said, if you don't do the dumb show, this was the worst show in the <laughs> If you don't do it tonight, um, I will reveal to the press why you're in hospital. And it turns out what had happened was a very simple thing. If you're ever taking cocaine, the thing is it lowers your blood sugar level. And if you go to eat, then that automatically lowers your blood sugar level. If your blood sugar level gets too low, you go into some sort of fit thing. And he got into that. And basically, all they did was put him in a dark room and left him for a bit. (laughs) And he was fine. There was this most beautiful moment, absolutely beautiful moment. Okay, so we, well, we'll, uh, I remember I, I came back to the flat. Yeah. It was me and Marva, and we, by this time, right, it was very stressful taking a bloke down. You think he's dying, and you think he's dying. He thinks he's dying, that's why you think he's dying, that's why you drive him down the wrong way, down the wrong way road. Right, take him down to the hospital, put him in, and uh, he's going, uh, uh, anyway, we, we come back and we're trying to tell you and, and Stuart, <laughs> but we're laughing. Marva's <laughs> 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 um, like, no, he's not. Yeah, you know, he's in hospital. <laughs> Something. He's had a heart attack, I don't know. Anyway, so he comes back, uh, and we think, oh, but what happened in the meantime was uh, our mutual agent at that time had gone into the hospital and threatened Steve Coogan that if he didn't do this show, it would be revealed to the press why he'd been in hospital. Anyway, he, he arrives at Pleasant's Courtyard, 
and he, he gets out of the cab and he's, he's walking across the road. Well, you know, we don't know. You know, about half an hour before the show starts, we don't know. You know, oh, Steve's with back, Ray. Oh, I, I went and hugged him. I went, have you got any left? <laughs> and, and he did. It was, it was in his top pocket. And I took it. I took it off him. And I went to my favourite toilet in the Pleasance. Which is the upstairs, if you're interested. <laughs> yeah. It's in the upstairs, the upstairs disabled toilet. There's no way for the disabled to get upstairs. <laughs> it's a really quiet toilet. <laughs> really. Nothing. I'm up there and I snorted a lot. Because <laughs> my view is when someone falls off a horse, it's your duty to get on that horse. <laughs> Finish the fucker off. <laughs> but ever since, no, but it, about three times. You know, then Patrick Marmba drove me to the hospital. <laughs> it was my fucking car. <laughs> I drove. I risked your. It was my fucking life and Patrick Marmba's. You know, oh, it's like killing Shakespeare or something. No, it's not. It's like killing someone a lot worse. I think he's probably he's probably just embarrassed that he was in that he was, he was into his sports cars wasn't he? He drove around in a sports car that Edinburgh who, I remember. Who did? Coogan had a sports car. Did he in Edinburgh? He drove around he said uh, he, he, the famous quote was him saying it was an expensive sports car he went up to Edinburgh. An expensive said, sports car. Well, he, and he said it pays for itself in pussy that's what he said. That's what he, that was the charming thing he said. This is the early 90s Steve It was Coogan. probably a character. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've Maybe all had sex, yeah? We have. My memory is it was a Monday night and there was about ten people in as well, so it was kind of crazy. That he, was dragged from, he, was dra- he was dragged from hospital to come to this gig that nobody was at anyway. So it was kind of... I think we could have let that night... We could have given him a night off as he was in hospital. Never mind. It was, it was a fun time. It, should, it was near the end. Peter Kessler, the producer, came to see it and wanted to put it on TV. Peter, Peter Kessler, do you remember him? And, no. uh, he, and then Patrick Marble suddenly really loved the show again. He hated it. And then he was like, oh, no, we should really work hard. Uh, but I'm friends with Patrick now, so I'm not going to slag him off. Uh, but uh, let's talk about you. Um, he, he, got, he got quite upset that we always joked about him, so I just want to say I'm only joking about him. He's, nice, he's a nice, sensitive man, Patrick Marble. Yeah, badger. <laughs> badger, my badger, my badger. Um, I'm, I'm a badger. <laughs> That's my impression of Patrick Marble. Don't I don't think him. we're helping. <laughs> you used to design video games when you were a, t- a teenager. That's one way of putting it. Yes. There's a, there's a quite a bit, bit on your. Um, uh, Wikipedia page about it. You did asteroids. Nothing to do with me. You did asteroids for Commodore International VIC twenty. Is that what it's called? VLC. Vic. Vic Vic twenty. I didn't have a Commodore. Jeff Minter described that as a pile of wank. (laughs) And Jeff Minter, I looked up, is quite a big name in. He's a big name. What is what got Jeff Minter into making computer games? Right. Was seeing one of my games, and just thinking that is a pile of wank. And that's what got him into it. Wow. So I, I take the credit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think Jeff, Jeff Minter should, you know, like, send me something. <laughs> <laughs> he should. He should give me a cut. But, but one of his, you did one quite of a lot. Brilliant programs that he's written. You did. ZX I got fed up with it. Did you? Yeah. I, I, I was fluent. I was uh, in uh, uh, Z80A and 6502 machine language. 
at the age of 14. Yeah. And they say Latin's a dead language. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I would have that, and I just got really bored with it. It's like, oh, the fucking machine. <laughs> so what the fuck am I doing? All this time on a screen. Of course, now it's normal, but at the time, <laughs> what am I doing? Is, is this going to be my life? <laughs> Anyway. Well, it was this, I remember, like, I had a, uh, BB, an electron, BBC Electron, Acorn Cushes, Electron. Cushes, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but you could program in your own games if you got could a book. Could you? If yeah. you got a book. <laughs> if you got a book. If you got a book, you could copy it out. Copy it out, yeah. If you got one, if you got one comma wrong, then it didn't work. No, it didn't work. If you, and that was written, that was... <laughs> When you type now, you made a mistake. It was like didn't work. four hours, five yeah. hours, six hours. Yeah, you type now. It didn't you work. Just did, you, but you, were to, <laughs> you had to change it. That it was, was copying. You, you, did, you didn't up. know where the mistake was, did no. you? No. <laughs> had to go all the way back through. You didn't know. No. Bad, didn't it? Uh, got to work it out. That's what programming is. <laughs> I did that. I yeah. gave it up. It's a pile of shit. <laughs> I like Scramble, though. You did Scramble for the Commodore as well. I did. I love Scramble. For the Commodore Vic-20, Vic yeah. Yeah, Commodore I did. Uh, used to be employed by a company in uh, Liverpool called Bug Bite, and they, um, they you know, paid my train ticket up. I was 16. I was earning money. I went skiing. <laughs> and, and from working class family. But my, uh, I, 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 just, I was in, well, independently wealthy, on my own account, from my computer games. And I went ski- that's when I took up skiing, um, because it was a school trip, school ski trip. And I said, I'll go for that. Anyway, but um, I got invited up to Liverpool uh, and uh, to, to meet them, you know, 16, you know, you're know, you on a job. Like, it was boom time for, for computer games. Um, but, uh, you know, I went up to Liverpool and then uh, I thought, oh, fuck no. Um, it, oh, no. <laughs> um, I mean, it was really run down at that time, Liverpool. And also, I thought, you know, don't just go off, don't, you know, get educated, just generally educated, learn something, learn stuff. Like, go, you know, if I stayed on at school, I'd get A levels, hopefully. I'm the first person in my family to have been to university, and possibly the last. <laughs> when I went to university, it was a gift bestowed upon you by a magnanimous state. It was like, oh, you, you, you worked hard at school. Maybe you'd like to go to university. We'll, we'll pay the fees. And a grant, if you're poor. Do you know they got rid of that? Very, very recently, like in August, there used to there still was. I, we've got fees for that for a long time. I object to that. But the, the, um, they recently got rid of the maintenance grant, as in there was. It still existed, which I had. It still existed. The maintenance grant there is if you're from a poorer family, um, we'll pay you some money just to eat while you're studying. Uh, that, uh, that, I mean, it's hard to understand now, but there was a time when education was kind of free. Uh, anyway, don't, don't worry about it. It's, it's, all, it's all in the fucking past. Anyway, that happened, and they got rid of that. Sorry. No, it's, 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 it's interesting. So uh, you went into comedy, well, you started doing comedy... Would you, had you done comedy before university? You, you, you went well, to I, university and you met I, someone I, I've been at school with called Steve Cheek. 
who you did a... <laughs> you did... You did a double act with called God and Jesus. The most offensive name we could think of at the time. <laughs> we did a double act called God and Jesus. I was down there, um, the old Bristol. Yeah. Do you know what I love about Bristol? Everything. It's good. Well, everything, of course. It's, yeah. it's built on seven hills, like Sheffield. Um, what, and Rome. <laughs> uh, what I love about Bristol is the way the place names within Bristol reflect the places. Right. Totter down. <laughs> the houses seem to totter down the hill. <laughs> Clifton. It's on a cliff. <laughs> Redland. Full of communists. <laughs> Horfield. I was disappointed. <laughs> What a pleasant evening I spent testing my hypothesis. (laughs) Your Bristol material works in London. It's amazing. Look at that. But anyway, Uh, I was down there. Yeah. Old Steve Cheek. He's he's an academic. He's Bristol University. He tells me stuff about academia. Little thing. I I, I, I do do a show uh, what I've done. But uh, but, uh, what they've done, they've uh, got rid of uh, architecture A-level. Not architecture. Archaeology. Archaeology. They've got rid of... It's like a little bit of topiary, a little bit of topiary to the communal brain. Ooh, archaeology (laughs) A-level. Don't need that anymore. Isn't it one of the pillars that history rests upon? (laughs) It's a bit like saying, ooh, ooh, we'll keep physics, but we'll get rid of maths. (laughs) It's fucking nuts. Anyway, they did that. But it means that there won't be you know, 15, 16 year olds, oh, maybe I'll, I'm interested in archaeology. <laughs> well, those archaeology teachers will no longer be able to pass on their love of archaeology and their interest in archaeology to future archaeologists. And if it, what you're doing is trying to kill archaeology. Eventually, you'll come point, it's like a movie. The last archaeologist. <laughs> His or her few books, and they'll die, won't he? The last archaeologist. See, it? it's over. It's not funded anymore. It's finished. That branch of knowledge ended. And he'll die. The last archaeologist. He'll die. And they'll bury him. <laughs> <laughs> no one will dig him up. <laughs> it is bad. I'm a fan, big fan of archaeology, and that is a terrible thing. But you Are know, you a big fan of archaeology? I am, I am, I love archaeology. I did archaeological digs when you I was... You surprised me. When I was, when I was 18. With your demeanour. When, uh, when you, 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 you were writing video games, I was digging up bits of pot in... in bits of pot? Yeah, well, bits of pot, yeah. <laughs> not the Steve Cooper. That's not specifically archaeology, is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a diction. It's a start. I went on some digs. It was, it was a fun time. Um, and you, so you went to Edinburgh, you did Edinburgh first, then you've done your 30th anniversary of what's happening. <laughs> I'm just looking at your notes. That's my notes of your life. This is your life, this is like your, this is your life book. That's you, fuck mate, that's you, that's, that's you, that's all you are. You did, uh, Do your worst. I, I know all about you anyway, I just wrote some stuff down, uh, to be sure. Not as much as I knew about you. <laughs> you did your, you did, it was your 30th anniversary of your first Edinburgh this year. It was That's my, right, mine yeah. is next year, you were there, there a year earlier, with yeah. God and Jesus. I win. You do win. And, and have, you done, have you done every year since then, or have you taken... Missed one. Just missed one out of the third. So you've done 30 Edinburghs then. I've done 30 Edinburghs, but I missed one. I've done 31 yeah, Edinburghs, but I missed one. Yeah. yeah. So, and you did a big celebratory 
I was my idea. It was my agency. You should do something. Like, yeah. Oh, oh. He said, "What a gala!" Anyway, so it was a it was a benefit for uh, Waverley Care Trust. You know oh, them? cool. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I, um, my, my one of my favourite memories right, of, of thirty years. In um, uh, I'd finished my show at the stand, and for the last fifteen years, I've been privileged to. I've been, I've been performing for the last fifteen years. Uh, half past three, roughly. Sometimes it varies. Sometimes it's three twenty. Sometimes it's three forty. But basically, half past three for the last fifteen years, at the same place at the same time for a month during the Edinburgh Festival at the stand, best comedy club in the world. Anyway, um, I'd finished my show and I was over the road at the Lord Bodo having my customary pint of cider. Uh, catching the last rays of sun about, you know, uh, up past four or five o'clock. And uh, Scott Agnew comes up the road. He goes, uh, Simon, there's a benefit for Waverley Care Trust down at the Newtown Bar. And uh, an actress dropped out. Could you come and fill in? Oh, of course. Of course I can. The only thing I resented slightly was having to go downhill. <laughs> that is one of my rules for surviving, Edinburgh. Maintain your height where... <laughs> <laughs> It's a hilly city. <laughs> anyway, I went down there, right, Newtown Bar. It was absolutely jammed. A lot of blokes with beards. It was, mainly, it was all blokes. They're all blokes. Gay, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, bears, they're called. Anyway, uh, that, that specific sort. Uh, but jammed, and they've been drinking since noon, and we're, we're like half five. Um, uh, drunk, standing up, and drinking all, all day, and jammed together, and, not, and, and standing up. Uh, a recipe for a low attention span. <laughs> I would say, you, you people are privileged. Uh, I thought this was going to be shit. Anyway, I went on, and it, it, was, it was the opposite. It was amazing. The most amazing, beautiful audience. Subtle of ear and warm... I mean, not as good as you. <laughs> Subtle of ear, warm of laugh. Anyway. And we got to the end, and I thought, well, um, it's a benefit for Waverley Care Trust... I should probably end with doing my Waverly Care Trust joke. <laughs> so I did. I said, uh, uh, anyway, this is a benefit of Waverly Care Trust. Give as much as you can to Waverly Care Trust. It's a very good cause. They raise money for people living in Scotland with AIDS. And it's bad enough having AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, they'll spend the money on antiretrovirals and plane tickets. <laughs> And they laughed, and then perfectly, as one, in unison, they booed me off. <laughs> and that is a perfect gig. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we'll take a quick... You've done some amazing uh, avant-garde stuff, it, not just the dumb show, which was the highlight. Uh, but, uh, so it's just because you were in it. <laughs> it was mainly because I was in it. it was, even for me, it was a lot. Were we all staying in the same flat? I think we did stay in the same place. I can't yeah, remember was. much about it. I, was I, very I just remember coming back yeah. with Marba yeah. and trying to explain to you and Stu what, 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 while laughing that Cougar uh, was about. in hospital. It rings about. I think we definitely were in the same flat. But we, 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 I've, I've wiped you, you didn't believe that we were serious, but we couldn't. You were laughing, so yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that seemed to be an inappropriate response uh. to the death of Steve Coogan, <laughs> the loss of Alan Partridge, all the things that would have, we wouldn't have had. <laughs> but you, you, well, you started on the stand. I'm interested in the stand-up scene of the 1980s, which again you oh, were yeah. you were in a little bit before we. Well, we were there right at the tail end of it. And you were. We? Well, me and Stu kind of arrived in '89, and you, but uh, you've been doing it a little bit before, hadn't you? Before? No, no, no not much. Start? Not much. Yeah. 
But you've been, you sort of were, you were in with all uh, Malcolm Hardy quite early on and doing the. Did you do the Tunnel Club, which has just burnt down? Is it? Yeah, there was a big fire in the t- where the Tunnel oh, Club Not again. Um, <laughs> we should be be um, yes, I did know Malcolm Hardy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I used to. I did perform at the Tunnel Club. Yeah. I used to do open spots. So, I mean, Tunnel Club was. Uh, a, a, I'll talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, well, let's do that. That's why I asked. <laughs> but, you know, we don't, don't just, have to. You just tee me up from anybody. You know? <laughs> it's fine. You know, it's not, I was. And um, it wasn't like it was now, like it is now. Like, um, the Tunnel Club was something different. Tunnel Club, right, just its location. Okay, if you come in through the Blackwall Tunnel, if you have no Blackwall Tunnel, you come through it and then just, like, immediately go left. There's a sort of building there. Uh, it's a building, not sort of. It's actually a building. <laughs> it's a genuine building. Uh, it, it's a pub that used to be called the Mitre, but it, at the time I don't know what it was called. But anyway, the Tunnel Club was. So it's basically come out of the Blackwall Tunnel, and the stench of whatever they were. Uh, it's a baby food, I believe. Anyway, so it's it industrial wasteland, absolute wasteland. And the Tunnel Club was a Sunday night thing that Malcolm Hardy used to run. And I remember. Um, been in the toilets there, and uh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm standing there, it's, it's, I'm still, you know, like 19 or something. Anyway, it's, like going, yeah, it's been a good night, isn't it? Yeah. Malcolm gets his bollocks out, it's going to be a great night. <laughs> and he did, he used to get his bollocks out. That's uh, what he did. I remember another time, uh, there used to be, it was rough. Like they'd heckle all the off acts off within about 10, 15 minutes. And in any other club, that's like, that's a bad night. You know, even though the tunnel, that was a victory. <laughs> you could not come down there with your act and perform it without interacting with the audience. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, uh, Jim Tevra used to think about, uh, uh, he walked on with his double bass and someone shouted, Midget with a violin! <laughs> It's the wit of the crowd. Yeah? There was one night I was there, and um, this bloke was leaning on this door like this, and uh, it, was a, it was a fire door, and he just sort of gave way, and he just went... Poof, just a black hole appeared, he'd gone. And he sort of crawled back out of the mud, or whatever that was out there. And uh, Mal said, uh, f- uh, 15 quid, do it next week. <laughs> oh, wait, fuck it. That was his... That was his philosophy. He meant it, and uh, you know, he's one of the people I'm privileged to have known in my life. Um, what, uh, were you doing Alan Parker at that point, or were you doing? I, uh, yeah, uh, the only video that exists, I believe, of uh, the Tunnel Club is me dying on my ass <laughs> as Alan Parker. Not introduced as Alan Parker. Introduces Simon Rue, which that's what threw me at the beginning. Right. Yeah, now Simon Rue. Oh, fuck, I'm, I don't know. character. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan Parker was your... Urban Warrior was your your first kind of... No, first thing I did was... was God uh, Jesus. Jesus, then Security Guard, oh, then Alan Parker. Yeah, yeah. So it was... You've always I, been Richard Herring, haven't you? I, oh, no, I did, I did do characters to begin with, and I would did just... You? Yeah, I did a character called uh, Cecil Massey, which was like an old uh, Somerset guy. Go on. Racist guy. Um, uh, racist? Well, it was sort of like that. It was that... It was that uh, uh, I can't remember enough. I can remember any of it. Oh. I did it at university. It was like he was just, you know, saying, saying the wrong things. Oh. So we, you were laughing at his. It was an like, ironic. Uh, it was, you know, he called. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't remember any of it. 
It was a topical. It was something did something about Ayatollah Khomeini. We get you more booze. Uh, I'm trying to think of any of the. How many tollers of your hominies? Ayatollah Khomeini. I can't, I, can't, I can't remember any of it now. But, but it was, it was, it was a racist it, character. It, was not, it wasn't racist, but he was an old well, you man. You said it was, was racist. He was an old man who said uh, politically incorrect things, and you uh, laughed what, at what his... What difference is there between that character and you now? <laughs> <laughs> I am more racist than he was. Right. Well, fair enough. Um, but, uh, no, so I did do... Because I, I, I was very uncomfortable doing stand-up. Do yeah, I know, I know. I didn't really like sometimes it. Sometimes you go well, sometimes yeah. you wouldn't. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, it was, it was either, it was either or, but I didn't really like it, and so I stopped doing it, whereas you carried on doing it, and then I came back to it in sort of 2004, but yeah, so I didn't, I hated that time when I was doing the, uh, in the late, late you, early 90s it would be for me. You, you get, I, I, I only vaguely remember it, but I remember you get angry and like, fuck you, you're not fucking finding me funny, I'm fucking off. There was one gig you came to, I think, uh, no, that wasn't the act, I think that was just a bad <laughs> I wish but it had been. It yeah. worked for Jerry Sadovitz. <laughs> well, I love Jerry as I know you do. I'm hoping to get Jerry Sadovitz on here. I'm trying to get him on this at some you point. You never will. I know. Well, I thought that, but it seems to be more positive than I anticipated. Really? What did he do? Yeah. I'd, I'd That'd be good, possibly. Um, but uh, his uh, his like Ben's shirt. That's nice shirt, isn't it? Uh, and uh, he's Bless good. You. Isn't he? He's good producer. Um, is, but is yeah, that I what think producers you, do? I think you came to it. We've known each other for a long time because you were friends with my friend from school and then I'd meet you, we, we'd come back from university and we'd drink in cheddar pubs. And then That's so right. a lot of my cheddar friends were in London and they came to... And I think you might have come to that gig. There was a gig I did where a guy was sitting right by... It was on a like, slightly raised stage and there was a guy sitting like there. So I'd be on the, just up there and his head was right by my foot and he kept on saying stuff. So I kind of went to sort of gently kick him in the head to stop... <laughs> And all my friends go, Gently. do you remember that gig where you kicked that block in the head? And so I kicked him a bit harder than I meant to, so I kicked a, a, a heckler in the head. <laughs> so I, I would get angry when it wasn't going well, I think it's probably true. I wasn't in very yeah. in control of my temper. But like you said, like sometimes it would be great, but not. I wasn't very I didn't. I, was, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. Whereas you always knew what you wanted to do, and you... But you what? Might, How do you know? I think, well, I think you always, you always stuck with whatever... You, you always stuck with... You know, there was your characters like would some would again sometimes go great and sometimes not go great, but you always believed that they were and correctly that they were they were great. So you'd always you'd always carry on with it. Whereas I lost my bot- bottle with what I was doing and it wasn't as good. I think there's the thing about losing you know losing your temper. Um, one of the best ones I ever saw like that was no no not, not losing your temper but like kicking someone off the stage it was uh, at late and live in uh, Edinburgh uh, Guild Balloon the old Guild Balloon. Um, Ross Noble was singing, um, It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel funny. He was singing that with the whole band. And uh, but I knew him. I was in the, I was in the crowd. And uh, he's, he's not a friend, but I, I kind of knew him. And he was climbing up. And Ross Noble just perfectly just put his head on the bloke's head and just pushed him back. <laughs> the end of the world. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't violent, it wasn't a kick or anything. It was, no. You know, just, <laughs> no, get off the stage. <laughs> it was a... And then, and so, do, have I ever told you the, the bravest thing I've ever seen anyone do on stage? Go on, go and tell me. Have I ever told you that, though? <laughs> I don't think you have, but let's t- tell me and then Stop I'll tell me you. Stop me as soon as, as, soon as <laughs> you recognise <laughs> this well-worn anecdote. Okay. 
late in life, back in the day, down at Guild Balloon. Oh, it was rough, like a bear pit, like the opposite of this. <laughs> and uh, I was backstage, and uh, Mark Lamar, I saw Mark Lamar, right? Mark Lamar, who was the sharpest uh, at dealing with hecklers uh, of anyone I know, just bang, bang, you know, just, he'll just deal with it. Like, you shout something at him, sh- shout something at me. What? <laughs> <laughs> not bed. I think they shout bed. 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 Yeah, you can't cope, you can't cope with that, I can can't. you? Oh, <laughs> the point is, I'm not Mark Lamar. <laughs> he, he would have gone, bed? What the fuck? You're talking about bed? <laughs> anyway. Uh, something like that. He, he'd have done something. He was just, like, brilliant at it. He was, like, he was the sharpest. He was like... Uh, um, but... And uh, I hadn't seen him for uh, maybe, you know, I knew him. But, you know, I was a friend, you know, he's, he's good at fighting. Um, but he, he hadn't seen him for a while. He was backstage uh, late in life, Girl Blue, the, the old one. And I went, hey, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm a compare. I went, what? And he got glasses on. And um, he started wearing glasses. And he was, uh, you know, the host of The Word, which is a TV show. So he was famous, like, like none of us were. He was just massively famous. He was going to compare late in life, wearing glasses for the first time, whilst being famous. Now, think about the atmosphere of late in life. It wasn't like, ooh, ooh, you're famous. Ooh, ooh. It was more like, you're famous. We're going to kill you. <laughs> it was like, we are the rapple. It was 2 a.m. You know, it was it was a and it was a really anti-English thing as well. It was kind of uh, anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> so hey, Mark, good. All right, good luck. And I'm sitting at the side of the stage and I'm watching it. Mark, Mark goes on and he's just been heckled from all sides. He goes, "Can I deal with one at a time?" Putting you on hold. <laughs> He's just dealing with them. Oh, um, someone goes, You specky cunt. He goes, oh, I've been waiting for that. <laughs> I cannot remember what he said, but he just dealt with it. He was just like a gunfighter, just standing there going, <laughs> And someone at the back goes, I'm going to kick your fucking head in. And Mark goes, All right. And he puts his glasses on the speaker. He says, come on then. <laughs> and this bloke comes in the back. Now, if you're, if you're here, you can't see at the back. <laughs> and this is what I regard as the most physically brave thing I've seen anyone do on stage ever. Is accept a fight from someone you can't see. <laughs> you understand? Right. So this bloke, is, uh, not only is, is he coming back, the whole crowd is volatile. But this bloke is coming from the back of the crowd with the whole crowd going, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> and he's been to at the side. This bloke gets up, he's about the same size as, as Mark, a bit drunk. And the, the bloke tries, tries to grab the mic. He goes, give us the mic. He tries to grab it. You can have a fight, but you can't have the mic. And you've got to start it. I'm not starting a fight in front of 200 people. And he pushes him behind him. Goes like this and starts taking the piss out of him. <laughs> with the bloke behind him who has come up with the express intention <laughs> of being like, huh? I, I haven't got that guts. <laughs> I very few of us have. 
And uh, but the bloke, you could see him. He's just like, oh, like the lights. Oh, I can't bring myself. You know. <laughs> and you know, oh. what he did was he stage dived off off the stage. <laughs> he, he smashed loads of glasses and a table, and the bounce bouncers chucked him out, and it was over. <laughs> but that happened. Yeah, I, that's why I didn't really like stand-up very much. So it's... <laughs> that happened all the time. Um, I, lo- I love the story of how you met your wife, which is a st- a, 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 almost a I met story. my wife in <laughs> Melbourne. I said, what are you doing here? That was actually one of Malcolm Hardy's jokes, <laughs> and um, it was funnier when he did it. I met my wife in Melbourne. I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> Well, let's try again. They don't, they don't like jokes. They don't, they, they don't like jokes. Really? They don't like jokes. Proper jo- that's a proper joke. They're, you, you know they're, they're, wait, they're, they're too clever to understand a proper joke. I met my wife in <laughs> Melbourne. I said, what are you doing here? Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell the others. <laughs> um... I did. But you did meet your wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And as a friend of Malcolm's, uh, it felt like a prophecy. <laughs> I said, what are you doing here? And she was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> she was. That wasn't our first conversation. first conversation I had with my wife. Well, she wasn't wife at the time. We didn't get married, didn't talk. <laughs> I was uh, doing a gig at Melbourne International Comedy Festival and she heckled me and I married her as a form of (laughs) put-down. Hasn't worked, she's proliferated. (laughs) Did she shout, don't die? Was that that a heckle? Do you want to hear the actual gig? Yeah. Here's the actual gig, Gwen. Most bizarre gig, as in... I'd done my show, I was doing a show, Melbourne International Comedy Festival, Alan Parker and Moria, worked really well, blah, 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 done that. It was a late night fringe club show, about 1am or something like that. And um, I don't know if grass is legal in, in Melbourne, but it is in Adelaide, so it's kind of legal in Melbourne. And uh, I had a couple of joints, uh, it was a really late night, and um, a couple of drinks, a couple of joints. I remember showboating in the dressing room a bit. How long have you been doing it? Oh, five years. Fifteen. <laughs> Just being really overconfident, you know, prior before fall. And um, Piston Stone went out. And, uh, I did one joke, which was uh, from, from Alan Parker. I was in the Alan Parker costume. I did one joke from the Alan Parker uh, character set which I will do for you very, very soon. <laughs> if you're good. And, and then I said, right, Melbourne, got any issues? Right. I wanted to improvise. I was asking them to shout things out, and I was going to improvise. That's the mood I was in. I wanted to improvise. Anyway, uh, I, oh, I can't be bothered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll have heard it anyway. All production. Uh, brothers and sisters, look at the state of this country. Young women sitting in their bedrooms, sticking their fingers down the backs of their folks, making themselves sick. Because those young women don't think they're attractive enough. Same time, young men sitting in their bedrooms, wanking themselves to death. 
for the very much the same reason. If only everyone could get together and you know <laughs> she could stick his dick down her throat, kill two birds at one time. <laughs> radical problems, radical solutions. Yeah. Okay. Joke went all right. Bang. Uh, yeah, so you, you, when you come on stage, you've got to like, have something, you know, or not. You don't have to. You, know, you have to start well or not. You don't have to. It's all right. I remember Alan Davies years ago, seeing him just create space for himself. Alan Davies, you know, heard of him? You know, the tram ear biter. <laughs> I broke his leg. I did. Ask him, playing football. It was a fair challenge. <laughs> we used to play, you know, jumpers, Tottenham. Anyway, n- not, not for Tottenham. <laughs> They've got better since... <laughs> Marginally. Uh, but we used to play in uh, Parkstone. But, you know, it was, it was a 50 50 challenge. And, uh, he came off worse. He's a, he's a competitive football... He's a competitive bloke. A competitive football player, and you know, as am I. You know, I've been playing someone who's competitive. Uh, I'm, I'm more more competitive than um, if, I, if I'm playing someone who's less competitive. <laughs> Basically, it's probably why I'm not a professional footballer. <laughs> It, to me, it varies. Like if, if, if you're not very good and you're a child or something, I'm not going to kick your face in. But, um, and David's not like that. Um, no, it's a bit cruel, isn't it? No. But um, it, it was 50-50. He broke his leg. No, I broke his leg, but he deserved it. Uh, I'm, I'm nothing against Ann Davis, except he's an Arsenal fan. Anyway... Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's about your wife. We're on one stage in Melbourne. Uh, I met my wife. Yeah. yeah. On, uh, on, I'm on stage in Melbourne, yeah. As, as I am now, in a way. But, uh, it was a weird gig, right? right. So... I started doing Adam Parker at his character had done him a show, sold out show, gone well. And I did one joke, which was the one that I just did. I went, right, Melbourne, got any issues? And this bloke at the back shouts out, repetitious comedians. <laughs> and, I, and I went, ah! So I just suddenly, uh, no more character, none of that. This is my London skin came through. I just like, what the fuck? He, like, just angry. And, um, you know, you're London's... Anyway. Um, and uh, and then it went on, and I, 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 I tried to carry on doing the character, but it didn't work. I wasn't acting it very well, probably. I couldn't, uh, eventually, I, uh, and it wasn't working. There was no, no laughs coming to the jokes. Basically, I went, Arr! and the whole crowd went, <laughs> and then I couldn't get them back. Like, I just, like, Arr! Uh-huh. And we were in this thing, and I said, uh, wait, I'll, I'll do another act that uh, would be in a different costume that I'm still working on. <laughs> I'll try that. <laughs> so I did a bit of that, and part of that was uh, the uh, uh, act of supreme supremacy. It was about, um, about the Church of England and uh, Catholicism. Anyway, 
Uh, part of it was about Jesus. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it wasn't going well. And then uh, uh, someone shouts out, oh no, before that, not my wife, but my wife's cousin, it turned out later, <laughs> shouts out, um, um, oh no, I go, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And this bloke in front of me goes, you're too polite, mate. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was back to laughter again. And uh, I carried on, trying nothing works. And then uh, it turned out to my wife, shouted out, don't die, like an order. <laughs> don't die. <laughs> and the reply, the thought that came to me uh, at that moment was, where were you at the crucifixion? Right? Which is quite a good repost. That's not what I said. It, the, I was so stoned and drunk, the, the, the thoughts, the, I changed it to, where were you at Calvary? It's the same idea, but like slightly more complex. <laughs> and possibly the wrong country. That might, might be in Canada. It's Calgary, Calvary, oh, fucking knows. Anyway. Bang. Uh, and I remember backing off the stage. Right, I done my time. Backing off the stage. Uh, <laughs> to uh, it was a weird gig. And uh, coming off and going, fuck me. I'll, I'll lay off that stuff. And, uh, and, and uh, ending up uh, back in the bar, just drinking. Like, phew, phew. Uh, changed another, another comic. Uh, we were doing his role. And this girl comes up, goes, um, oh, a new American woman, she said, uh, uh, you got me my friend, you got me my friend. I said, I, I don't want to meet your friend. I just had a really weird gig. So I'm drinking with my, uh, uh, I don't want to meet your friend. Uh, yeah. You got me my friend, you got me your friend. Uh, what, you're an agent? <laughs> I don't want to meet your friend. I just had a really weird gig. I'm just going to get drunk now. That was weird. And the third time she comes up, she goes, uh, you got me your friend, you she haggled you. I said, right, yeah, I got me here. And uh, then we got married, and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> that's what Then you got three girls? Three daughters, yeah. And oh. one dog is male. <laughs> <laughs> we watch Match of the Day. <laughs> He doesn't understand it by explaining it to him. <laughs> oh, happy times. No hair. <laughs> so, um... No fucking makeup. I mean, there's, no so many, there's so many things we could talk about, Simon. But no, I'm, there's seven. There are a lot of things. <laughs> there are a lot of things. Um, You're like Graham Norton, but less so. <laughs> It's hey, like, you asked me a Graham Norton story. You haven't done that? <laughs> me, I've got a great Graham Norton story. Have you got a great Graham Norton story? Have you got one? Yeah. He, he, used to be on, he used to be on after me or before me when I used to be in the Pleasance Attic, so, but I, he was always it, doing Mother Teresa. Yeah. Was he Mother Teresa of Calcutta or something? He did a I show. Don't know. What's your Graham Norton story? No, I don't have one. I just, that's it. That's the story. Nothing. And you come here? What's your... <laughs> Unprepared with a Graham Norton story. I was once in a restaurant and he was eating at another table in London. Well, they? It's, yeah. a, it's kind of Kafkaesque. <laughs> I had a statement. Once so... <laughs> it's less of a story, more of a paragraph. 
once. I was in a restaurant and Graham Norton was at another table. <laughs> Full stop. What is, is your Faber and Faber? What is your Faber and Faber? Is that Faber and Faber? And have you got I a Brian... I've cracked it. Have you got a Brian Blessed story? That's what I want to really ask you. Before. Never met Brian Blessed. Ah, well, go for Graham Norton then. Mm. <laughs> Wouldn't you just... No, <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you have a Graham Norton story that you've taken the piss out of me for not having one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go on. I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> Um, you can get lots of your stuff at gofasterstripe.com. Mm, I thought I'd just tell people. Sanitary towels. Poo poo bum wipes. You've done, well, you've, done, you've done a lot. You've done a thing with Kevin Eldon, which is. Uh, 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 yes. Um, is I'm ashamed a... of it now. <laughs> Mr. Bartlett and Mr. Willis. That, so uh, it's his thing, really. His thing. I just, just... Is it what? It's his thing. It was his thing. But you were in it. When you've worked I was in it. I don't well, deny it. You know. You've worked with him a lot. <laughs> But a lot of your dealings. I like him. He's all right. He's a likable fellow. And he's good at d- doing stuff. Oh, he's a very good actor. He is very funny. He's it. Well, you did... You're Not big... as good as he thinks he is. <laughs> Few of them are. <laughs> well, you worked with... We did Club Zarathustra, Club Zarathustra, mm. with, which was... Well, it was so interesting, because in, in the 90s, with all that stuff, it kind of nearly got propelled over into TV. I mean, you did a TV pilot of Club Z, you did some Alan Parker stuff on TV. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Club Z was a very avant-garde, which you've carried on subsequently, very avant-garde stuff with Kevin and Stuart and Roger Mann and Richard Thomas. Is there an end to this sentence? No. I'm just telling them... I'm telling you, I'm telling them through the you, media. You're telling, telling them you. what I've done. <laughs> yeah. There's no end. No. That's good, to... isn't it? Yeah. I've done know. loads of stuff. You've yeah. done loads, but it's, it's... And I'm not famous. It's or, amazing. Yeah, but what, so how, do you, how do you feel? Because I really felt with Club Z, it was, so, it was so good as a live experience. And you did this TV pilot of it, which was looking amazing as well. And you ran out of money and put insert money in here at the end of it, basically. That, that's Stuart's idea. Was that, yeah. yeah. But, but it, it, it could have been the, you know, it could have been like this amazing TV thing and then it wasn't. So do you, do you feel, do you regret that or are you happy that it, that it didn't become a... It felt like it could have been the sort of avant-garde python of our, our, of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> If you generally died, it'd be very good for the podcast. <laughs> oh, you hit me from behind. <laughs> How do I feel about the lack of success of clubs at this <laughs> I have no feelings. <laughs> Do you think, do you feel, I mean, no one can hear you now. Do you feel, I'm going to talk now because no one can, no one can hear you. Do, you. do you feel, I mean, because you've carried on doing that stuff and do you, are you, are you, all that stuff, you know, that rubbish you do, and it's, do you feel happier? Do you, do you feel happier that it's, do you feel happier that it's a, a, a sort of more secret thing, live thing? Or would you have liked to have been more successful <laughs> in TV terms? 
Because I think you should be watching this. <laughs> but why don't you give it to fucking man? <laughs> I can build a house. Or a shack. Or a theatre. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It was good, though, wasn't it? Next question. It was good, though, wasn't it? Club's head. It was good. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I, I was in it. How do you know? I, I saw the woman earlier, uh, you know, who was 14 when she first saw it. Right. She, she loved it so much. Uh, well, it was, ama- it was an amazingly... Uh, it was a cult thing within the, within the live circuit. And, there, and it, you know, I was an audience member. I was on it, in it a couple of times, but I was usually going to watch it. Yeah, I, was, I played a frightening Father Christmas right. who had to give uh, everyone all presents with erect, pictures of erect penises stuck on them. <laughs> and I wore a kind of gar- gas mask. It was Stuart's idea. I had to wear a gas mask. I was on a leash. And uh, I had to give people presents and then kind of sexually molest people in the audience and then every time I started to try and do that he would, Stu would crack the I think he had a whip or a leash and he would stop me touching the people so I had to go up and go like I was in in Shan Andalus or something and then uh, uh, Market Devon? Yeah, yeah it was a Christmas, it was the Christmas show (laughs) hence the father frightening father Christmas I was when you unleash something, you yeah. don't really know what it's going to end up like. No. <laughs> no. And that's how it ended up. Yeah. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> to be honest. Um, do you remember Tim Richardson? I do remember Tim Richardson, yeah. uh, The first ever Clubs of Thuster, Tim Richardson was a founder member, in a way. Right. Right. And he did this thing, which was Man of the Sea. And what he did was, he, he, got, uh, he made a tape. And it's a long time ago. C six anyway, um, tape is it's like an audio recording system. <laughs> on, 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 I mean, it worked. <laughs> For years, that's what we did. Anyway, he recorded the um, uh, shipping forecast on 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 radio. Anyone? No, anyway. <laughs> Just me then. Um, uh, on loop so it was a tape of that and uh, he walked around in his costume I can't remember what the costume was but um, he had loads of uh, grapes with um, uh, uh, cocktail sticks stuck in them with little flags these grapes and he just uh, while the shipping forecast was playing in the audience he walked around sellotaping um, these little flags with messages about the sea to people's faces <laughs> as, you, as you walk around. And it was the most just so, ooh, that changed the atmosphere. <laughs> I, I've never seen anything like that. He's was, he was the most hilarious man I've ever known. He's very funny, Tim, yeah. He's, he write, he's a journalist. You, you yeah, we, uh, yeah, yeah, still see him, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he, he writes about sweets now. 
and gardens. Yeah, waste. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can imagine why that didn't make it on primetime TV, that, that show? They went for Mrs. Brown's voice instead of that. I can't believe it. So, uh, uh, <laughs> not directly. Um, and... Um, <laughs> What about arm wrestling? You ain't good at that? Uh, no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking have you, son. I'm sure you can. <laughs> you break my arm. No, well, that's your aim. <laughs> it's been a long time. You, get up and referee. <laughs> you, get up and referee, come on. You've got to come and referee. Come on, will you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. In the end, it doesn't matter who wins. It's all entertainment, isn't it? You know the rules? Yep. <laughs> Is it important that I know the rules? <laughs> we should be in the middle, should we? You should be doing this. So I do it, I go, I go, it's Andy. No, no, no. no. Do, you know, do you know him? Yeah, it's Andy McH. <laughs> it's looking a little bit rigged. <laughs> And steady, tense. I don't know. And go. It's exciting. He isn't trying yet. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a longer arm than I have. He's got a longer arm. It's not fair. Use your hand. Weight advantage. (laughs) It was tough. That was tough. That's the hardest arm wrestle I've had. Does it win? Does it always end like this? (laughs) It does, yeah. I think it might do. I might do from now on. I should have done it with Milliken. (laughs) You'd have lost. (laughs) Well, there's too much to talk to you about, Simon. I will... I loved your light... We want to talk about your light light bulb suit. That was an amazing... I used to have a suit made of light bulbs. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. If you saw a girl you fancied, you'd light it up. I did. And also uh, pictures in a gallery at Prague. Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you did a non-dining restaurant... Yeah. <laughs> that... <laughs> Were people happy with that? <laughs> like well, <old> no. <laughs> Quite a lot of complaints. <laughs> it was relatively empty. <laughs> I mean, compared to the other dining restaurants, <laughs> people got what they expected. No, it was a it was a parody of a restaurant. Yes. It was a show, and I always because I always thought. Not always. Uh, anyway. um, I don't really know. But I thought, uh, is, is it possible to do a show for four people? Two people. I started with two people. Is it possible to do a show for two people? It's really awkward. If you're standing up talking, blah, 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 and there's two people in the audience, that's really awkward. Four, basically about 30, that's an audience. But um, is it possible to do one? I thought, yeah. If you do it in the format of a restaurant, so 
please sit down. You know, so, so basically that was the idea. And I went with that and um, I started with two and I went to four, finally ended up with eight. And I used to uh, did um, the uh, uh, disused shop in Carnaby Street um, five times a day. So basically it was a 45-minute show. Then I had 15 minutes set up. And by the time I finished setting up, oh, fuck, they're outside again. Uh, and you should do six times a day and then run to Oxford Street. Uh, so much adrenaline you got after if you're doing... Anyway, um, uh, I, I, I think it was brilliant, but, you know, you, you, you weren't there. <laughs> but it does work. Uh, so eight out of ten shows were good. One was awful and one was brilliant. <laughs> And the, the, the one that was awful was because someone would pull focus. Uh, if you go a small group of eight, it's basically it's embarrassing to be an audience of eight unless... But if you've got the, the restaurant format, it's not embarrassing anymore. And so, you know, comic possibilities uh, ensue. <laughs> Lost some of you. <laughs> no, anyway, um, I've had enough now. Okay, <laughs> That was our safe word. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Simon Munnery. Mr. Richard Herring. You have been listening to Richard Herring's at the Square Theatre Podcast. With me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Simon Munnery. The music is by Pest. People I must thank are Go Faster Stripe, the Leicester Square Theatre. Uh, I would also like to thank the British Comedy Guide and Ian Tunes at iTunes. Thank you for your hard work putting it up. The producer is Ben Walker. He's all right. And uh, this is a fast Go Faster Stripe and Sky Potato Production. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening. My DVD Happy Now is available from GoFasterStrike.com, as all my shows are on DVD there, or on download. There's some books. Go and check it out. There's some good ones from other people as well, so check those out. Cheers. Bye. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture, and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart, and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance, or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market. It would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make and the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.